Well, good morning. You woke up. Good. Woke up to a new year. It's going to be a good year, isn't it? At least we're hoping for a good year, aren't we? Well, let me just say this. For somebody, it's already been a fantastic new year. And for that person, it's Anthony Goodwin, the one who's leading worship here. He's our countdown guy, right? Him and his wife, Lauren, had a brand new baby girl. Look at that. <clears throat> that is the most beautiful thing on earth to a mommy and daddy when they have their first child as well. This is little Eleanor Noel. Noel, because she was born on Christmas Day. There you go. Look at that. She doesn't know it, but she just cut her, Christmas, her birthday presents in half. <laughs> God's design. But great, great day to remember uh, whose you are, right? Uh, now, speaking of whose uh, you are, uh, who am I? Uh, my name is Garth, and for some of you are saying, hey, who are you, and what are you doing up there? Um, my name is Garth. I've been here for nine years now, wandering in the halls, and, um, and this, I'm going on the ten, my 10th year, and uh, so you might ask, what do you, what do you do here? I play golf most of the time. Don't most pastors do that? Um, no, I feel like my calling um, and my time is best served in teaching God's Word. So I actually get to do that in the Through the Bible. It's a midweek study that goes from Genesis to Revelation where you actually learn every verse, every line of every book. And we start in the book of Genesis and make our way to Revelation. We've already done that once. We're starting back over in Genesis. Maybe you'd like to join us on Wednesday nights. And uh, where you can just go through a book and say, man, now I know what God says here. I know what God says in this book. And uh, it's a great way to learn about uh, the Lord line by line. And then also, if you have your bulletins, you don't have to get them out. But <clears throat> the study of God, that's beginning again here in January. I've been doing that for eight years. And that's the same thing. We take you through the entire word of God, but we just do it systematically, which means we take subjects like God who is he, his nature, his essence. Um, we're going to be doing that, his attributes. And then also this word, is it inerrant? Is it absolute truth? How do I know that? Uh, and so we'll be studying that this semester as well. So uh, this church, hopefully, um, if I have anything to say about it, will be a Bible church. Uh, we have truth, we have God's word, and we need it, don't we? So speaking of God's word, let's stand together. If you're here today and you don't have a Bible, uh, we would like to put one in your hands. You're going to need a Bible. That's what we are. We're going to study God's Word today. It's the most important thing that we have. So if you don't have one, um, just raise your hand. They'll put one in your hands. If you forgot your Bible, don't ever forget your Bible again. Bring it every week. And uh, that's your lifeline. And uh, it's good to have that in front of you. Some of you have tablets and all that. I know that. And um, by the way, good morning to those of you who are joining us online. We wish you were here. And we're going to be in Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. So we'll begin reading in verse 3. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. 
For if we have been united with him in a death like his, well, we certainly shall be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we could no longer be enslaved to sin for one who has died has been set free from sin. Can I get an amen? All right, let me pray for us. Lord, we love you this morning. It's a new day, a new year on the horizon, Lord, and it's a great way to start it by opening up your word, your truth. It's powerful, amazing. You have everything that we need, Lord, and we're here to seek after it. Open our hearts, Lord, as we lay them open before you and teach us and speak to us and put things in there, Lord, that'll never come out those truths that we can bury deep, Lord, in our hearts. We ask your blessing over the study of your word today. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So, Happy New Year. And with that, I've entitled this message, With All Joy, It's a Good Year to Die. All right. That doesn't seem very happy, does it? Okay. But I think it's going to be the, the happiest New Year's message that you could hear. Uh, listen, God will tell us things that nobody else will tell us. It's absolute truth. And he, and he lays open some things to us that we really don't really want to hear about ourselves. But it's the truth. And God's the one who speaks. The world isn't going to tell you these things. But God will speak the truth. And uh, these things are the key to changing our lives when we hear it and we um, obey it. So we want to look at this passage this morning. And maybe you're a little bit like me. Well, I already know that you're like me. Uh, the Bible says we're all a lot alike in this way. And that every time another year rolls around, um, you're hoping for a good one. Right? Who wants a bad one? All want a good one. A great one would be good. But honestly, that, that means, it means for me, we want a good year for us because that's just the way that we are. Um, I wake up and it's, I think of me. Do you ever do that? It's going to happen with me today. We're me-driven. We're self-driven. We can't help it. We naturally gravitate uh, toward ourselves as the center of our world. That's just the way that we are. We live inside of our world and uh, it's about ourselves, but, and we do that, and we're thinking you've probably already done it, uh, about resolutions you're going to make, things you can do to hopefully make your life better, right? Things you're going to stop doing, and things you're going to start doing, and things you're going to do less of, and things you're going to do more of, but here's the problem. As a follower of Jesus, we know that's not right. It's not, it's not right. I'm not the center of my world. Newsflash. In fact, it's not even my world. It's God's world. He's the creator. I live in his world. And guess what? As a believer, my life is his. It's not my life anymore. I've surrendered my life, and I say, God, I want your life. And uh, now I, both of those things are not true. So what am I doing thinking about my life this year and my plans and my goals? It's wrong. It's not right. I've missed it. And you know what? Let me just tell you, off the, off the top here, it isn't going to go good for you if it's going to be about you this year. 
it won't go good. Because if it's about you, it's going to become self-centered. And God says, listen, it can't be about us anymore. We struggle in this one thing, to give that life, that old life, over to the Lord and to take up that new life. That's the struggle. So this message today is for all of us who keep finding ourselves living for ourselves, living our lives for ourselves, even though we know that we should be living our lives for our God, for our Creator. So that's what this passage is all about. Paul is beginning to deal with the believers there in Rome, and he's laying out a lot of truth for them, and this is where he kind of changes directions and he digs in for them. So hopefully, um, I'm not judging you or anything, but your Bible's still open, and you have the text in front of you. If it's not, get it back out, turn back to Romans 6. If you leave here today and you remember my words, what a waste of time. It's going to be a waste of time. But if you remember God's words, you're going to live forever, right? They're the unchanging word. Remember that we just sang? They, they're, they're forever. They, uh, they're unchanging. And that truth needs to come down inside of us. So if I do my job, when you leave here and you read chapter 6, these first verses, you're going to go, man, I know what that means for me. And you hide that away in your heart. So keep them open. It's a good discipline for us. I don't really care if you fill out your notes. That's just my, my deal. You can get the notes. You don't get the notes. That's just extra little bonus to help you follow along. So uh, let's start with ad number one. Have we forgotten that we were all dead before Jesus saved us? Have we forgotten that? So he says, do you not know, verse three, do you not know? He doesn't really say that in a way of like, hey, I'm not sure if you know this. He's saying it in a way that, listen, you know this. Do you not know? Have you forgotten? And that's kind of a better word. We forget what God has done, uh, but we already know that. We know that down inside. We were, we're guilty of our sins, all of us. We're sinners that God saved by his grace. We were dead when we came to the Lord, and then he brought us life. He already taught them in Romans. I'm going to put the extra verses right up there. So I'll just save you time. You don't have to go if you don't want to. Just keep that one passage right there, and then we'll slip over to these other uh, verses. I already wrote those down in your notes for later, so you'll have those uh, for later as well. But it says, therefore, just as through one man, sin entered into the world. Who's that man? That's Adam. Through Adam, his desire to rebel against the Lord, sin entered the world, he says, and death through sin. So death spread to all men. Are, are we one of the men? Men as men and women. Yes, that's us. So we were born dead. Why? Because we all sin because we're born with a sin nature. It was more than just our sin. It was something inside of us. We were broken and in rebellion, and that's the curse of man. Adam brought that. Jesus brought a different thing, didn't he? John 3, 16 and 17 says, but... For God so loved the world that he forgave, or he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish. Wait a minute. Does that mean we were perishing? Yeah, it does. When we met the Lord, God's salvation to man, everyone who's outside of Christ is perishing. He came to the world because we, we weren't going to make it. 
And we were going to be dead. We were dead before him, and we'd be dead in our sins. And so he's came to make sure we don't perish, but have everlasting life. That's what he wants to give to us. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. God never came to us so he could bring condemnation to us. We were already condemned. He came to condemned people. That was us. But he came because we were condemned to save us. So that's good news. We can't ever forget that. We all came the same way. We were all dead before we met Christ. And anybody who hasn't met Christ and surrendered to Christ is still dead. God's the life, and he's come to give us that life. Number two, point number two. Have we forgotten that we were all buried with Jesus at the cross? Now, that's a little bit different. Death is one thing, burial is another. So it says in verse three, all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. What does that mean? Well, baptism means submersion. When you go get baptized after you uh, get saved, they dunk you under the water, right? All the way under the water. It's a submersion. It's the symbolic of your death. You died, and now you're buried with Christ. And that's what that means. We were baptized into Christ. We were buried with him. Jesus died for our sins and our sinful lives, and, and um, he didn't die for his sinful life, for his sin nature. He didn't have a sin nature. He was perfect. His death was about our sins, right? And, and our death that was waiting, and he took that on himself. So the Bible says he tasted death for me, not because he was dying, but because I was dying. And so now when I come to Christ, I'm dying with him. I'm taking that old life of mine that's dead, and it's being buried with him. And, and that's what it means here. We were all buried with Jesus. Now, that's, that's what took place past tense when you came to Christ. You trusted him with your life. That's what happened. You were buried with him. Now, we don't always understand exactly how that works. How did that happen? Colossians chapter 2, verse 13. I'll explain it a little bit. I like the NLT version in this text because it brings out some things that are helpful. It says, you were dead because of your sins. Okay? And because of your sinful nature. So we had sin that we committed and a sinful nature that we were born with. And, and we were dead. But it says, and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Now, some of your Bibles, if you look them up, would say circumcised. And we don't always understand exactly what that means, but that's what that means, to cut away. So what happened when we came to the Lord? He said, listen, I'm going to cut that old death out. Cut that old dead person away so that I can bring up a new one. Jesus said it this way to Nicodemus. He said, you must be born again. You're not going to make it unless you get another birth. You're dead. You have to be born. And that, that birth is a spiritual birth, and that's what happens when we get saved. He cut that old one away. It needed to die so that a new life could begin. It says, then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all our sins, or all of us, our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us, and he took it away by nailing it to the cross. That's past tense, isn't it? That's our relationship with the Lord. We stand in him, buried before our, our old life, and now brought a, he brought a new life 
forward for us till it was cut away uh, from us. And again, that's past tense. Now, number three, have we forgotten about the new life we have been given in exchange? Sometimes we can get fascinated with that old life again. And we've forgotten that that's no longer our life anymore. We have a new life in Christ. And verse 4 says to us, We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into his death. In order that, there's a reason, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. There's a reason why that old guy had to die. Because God says, I want you to have a new life, my life. He's the one who has life. He's the one who created life. He's the one who holds life. He holds our lives in his hands, doesn't he? He's the maker of life. He has all life. And without his life in us, we're dead. And so now that, that old life has gone away, and now his life comes in, and that's, that's powerful, amazing life. And he wants us to have it. It's a new life. I've come that you might have life, Jesus said, and that life more abundantly. Who wouldn't like a better life? <laughs> Great to have a better life. What better life is there than Jesus' life? Than God's life? It's the greatest life ever. He wants us to have it. Verse five, for if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. That's a hope that we have. So as important as it is to know that we died, it's more important uh, to know that God had a plan for it and he wants to make something a lot better out of that and he's pulled us up out of the grave now and given us new life. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person, a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and say, hey, I'm a new person, did you know that? I'm a new person in Christ. I'm not that old person anymore. Tell them that. I'm not that old person anymore. Now, I don't know who's sitting next to you. You might not know them at all. But if you know them, and you've known them for a while, then you should know that to be true. I'm looking around the room. I've, I've known some of you for a while now. And I've known some of you when the old life, and you came walking in here, and God had just saved you, and now I've watched how God has transformed your life. You're not the same person anymore. In fact, when you meet some of the people that used to know you back then, they're looking at you now and going, wait, 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 what happened to you? You're not even the same person anymore. That should be a good thing, right? You don't want them to be saying, oh, you're the same old guy I've always known. No, 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 no. He's making a new thing, isn't he? Ephesians 4, 24 says, put on your new nature created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Isn't that what he wants to do? He wants us to put on this new life and uh, because we're created to be like God. We're made in his image, aren't we? We were born um, uh, and created by God and we're made in his likeness. We're made to have relationship with him. If that's the greatest thing you could ever learn, you need to know that. Until you um, take on the life of God, you don't even know uh, what you were made for. You were created to live in him and to have a relationship with him. It's the greatest thing ever. And he wants us to look like him, talk like him, live like him, be like him because he's full of life and he wants that for us. We're the complete opposite. Now, 
Romans 8, 11 says, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, which he does, God now dwells in us. He's come into us and he lives with us. If he dwells in you, he who raised Jesus Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Mortal bodies. Do you have a mortal body? Is your body perishing? Then you got a mortal body. And that's the thing. When we got saved, we didn't get a new body. Don't you wish you'd have got a new body? I'd like a new body. It would have been a great package deal, get the new body. Well, we don't get the new body. So what happens? We're made alive inside. We're new in Christ. The outward man is perishing, but the inward man is being renewed day by day. So we're alive inside. We're never going to taste death. We're never going to die. It's eternal life that's inside of us. It's, not, it's never going to perish. But this outward man is. But here's what he's saying is, I've given you the power to rule over that mortal flesh. I've given you now the power to cut that other old man away and to live a glorified life in this, this body. Paul said it this way, and, and it's important. He said, I beat my flesh daily to bring it under submission to God. He knew something about himself that we need to know. This mortal body isn't our best friend. And it wants to draw us back into that old life. So he said, listen, when I get up in the morning, here's what I do. I tell my flesh, you're dead. Your power is dead. You are going to be obedient to the Lord today. That's a good way to start today, isn't it? Hey, God, I just want to know right now, I'm telling my body, it is going to be obedient to you. It is under your power and under your submission. Do you know you can do that? And, and your body will have to obey the spirit of God that dwells in you. Well, that could change your life, couldn't it? It does. It changes our life. But we got to do that, kill that old life. So one more thing here is that Colossians 3, 3 through 4 says, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So we died. Now we got a new life inside of us. Verse 4, when Christ who is your life appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Good news. We don't have to keep this old thing forever. We got a new one coming. So when Jesus died and he rose from the grave, he rose bodily. He wasn't a spirit. He had a body. But it was not the same body that he had when he was on the earth. It wasn't just human flesh. It was now a glorified body. It was still flesh and bone, but it was full of the glory of God. And it was powerful. He could come uh, from heaven back to earth. He could walk through the walls. The Bible says this. Listen, there's a day that's approaching and the Bible says the trumpet's going to sound one of these days and the Lord's going to appear in the air and the dead in Christ will rise first and those that are alive and remain. If we're here when the Lord comes to get his church, the Bible says we're going to be changed. Twinkling of an eye, man, this old flesh is gone. In an amazing time, he says he's going to transform me. It'll never rule against me again. It'll never weigh against me again. I'll be set free. I'm going to have a brand new glorified body like my Savior's. And the Bible says the body of Christ will be joined to Christ and will be married with him. Amen? That's good, isn't it? Now, Colossians says this, 3, 3 through 4, it says, um, when Christ who is your life appears, then you will appear with him in glory. And in and, and our verse up here in 5, it says, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. That's our hope. Here, here's what it means. It means I don't have to worry about this flesh I can kill it. In fact, I don't care if it dies. 
What's my life? This body, if it dies, it, I'm gonna go be with the Lord. I'm getting a new body. I can wear it out for the Lord. I can sacrifice it. I can put it through anything that God asked me to do with it, discipline it, subject it to whatever for his glory because it's perishing anyway. I'm getting a new one. Listen, the world lives for life every day because it's all they have, but they're dead in their sins. They're going nowhere. They woke up this morning and it's like, okay, 2017, uh, you know, well, I hope I have a great year. Good luck. You have no hope, no life, no truth, no future, no power. It's dead. You're dead. Not for us. This year holds all kinds of great things for us because God's alive. He rules the world. He owns the world. I live in his world. Now, now I'm his. And he's got great plans for that. It's purpose. I can give my life away. If I die this year, man, to, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Paul says, I'm good with both. I'm good to be here serving the Lord. But if I die, I die. I can give my life away. And that's the secret, isn't it? Giving our lives away. That's what God wants us to do. Have we forgotten about the new life we have been given in exchange. Uh, number four says, have we forgotten why our old self must stay buried? Have we forgotten why our old self must stay buried? Good, good point here. Verse six, it says, we know that our old self that's the way the Bible calls it. It's one of the terms called the old self, the old me. I like that. Name it the old self. It was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Um, I don't know if anybody has told you that, you know, we talk like, you know, we're in bondage to our sin as believers. Like, hey, you're just a sinner, and, and that's what you do. Sinners sin. No, 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 no. It's not what the Bible says. Yeah, I'm a sinner, and I've been saved, though, and God has cut away that power of that old life, and he's given me power for a new life. And the goal is, is that I take that sinful life, and I kill it. I just kill it. In fact, the way the Bible speaks about it, it says, be merciless with that old life, those old sinful ways. Kill them, crucify them, put them to death. I mean, how many scriptures do we need, right? You have, we, we have to look, listen, old life, I don't want it anymore. I don't know about you, but I remember what I was when I came to the Lord. I don't want to be him anymore. I'm so glad to be rid of him, that old life. I knew what I was capable of, what I was even uh, able to do in that old life, and it was destroying me. I have a new life. I'm okay with that. I'm okay that that guy is dead. I don't ever want to see him again. That's the way we need to be with that old life, right? Because we got a new one now. Let's walk in that new one. He wants us to be in that new one. Um, did we forget that? Here's the problem. If you're like my flesh it wants to keep rising back up again. It wants to dig itself up, and we keep wanting to dig it up and put that old life back on. It's just like a constant battle that goes on. It wants to live. Ephesians 2 says this, As for you, you were dead, past tense, in your 
transgressions, your sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air. He's letting us into something here. We didn't even really realize how bad we had it because we were under a bondage to this world. There's a system of this world. It's alluring. It's, it's ran by Satan himself. He's the one who says, it's all about you. It needs to be about you. It's your life. If, you know, did God really say you were going to die? You should not surely die. And he puts all these things in and he rules over us. Who ruled me when I was dead? Satan ruled me. And he wanted to destroy me forever. That was the old guy. I used to follow his ways, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. I was trapped. But now I've been set free. The Lord has set me free. Now, what does that old self look like? I think you know what the old self is. Um, We know what that old self was. Uh, the old sinful flesh. But the Bible's really um, helpful to us because it'll remind us exactly what it is. So in Colossians 3, 5 through 8, see if this rings a bell to you of some of the flesh that keeps wanting to rise up inside of you. First of all, it says, put to death. Be brutal with it. Kill it. Therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, that's the same thing our sinful nature, the old self. And he says sexual immorality. Amazing how that always hits the top of the list. Just so often it's the number one thing on, on the list. Why? Because it's just, it's just part of us that says, God, I know how you've made me. You've made me for relations sexually with, with, a, with a, a wife or a husband in marriage. That's where you made it beautiful. But anything outside of that is sexual immorality. And so these desires come onto us that, you know, I don't have to, I mean, God, I think I, I should be able to have this relationship or have this, and, and our mind begins to go out and we say, I need this or I should have this, or even if we're married, we're thinking we need to have that with somebody else. And how many things have sexual immorality destroyed in people's lives? Name me a good thing that's happened in that. Nothing. It's killed us. And it, kills our, it killed our old life, uh, possibly, and, and it kills the new one. Impurity. Purity just means moral impurity. Have you had the desire to kind of go back to being a little bit, you know, shady on the way you do things with business or, uh, you know, your character, your integrity, you're willing to cut corners, you're willing to do things, whatever you need to get what you want, and uh, that... that impurity is there, that moral impurity. We kind of want to take that back on again. Lust, that means overwhelming desires. It doesn't mean I just feel lustful. <laughs> Lust really is powerful, and, it, and, it, and it's an overwhelming desire. It means I need that. I have to have that. I need to have that to be satisfied. And maybe that's crept back into your life where you're filled with these lusts, that you really don't even have control over anymore, or at least you feel like you don't have control over them anymore, right? Because now this lust has risen back up in your life. Evil desires, that means to want what is not yours. To want to do what you shouldn't be doing. And we start to get lax in that, and we start to do what we know we shouldn't do. Creeps back in, doesn't it? And greed, which means always needing more. Now, if, if you have anything, an uh, idea of this year to think that if you just had more of something, 
you are going to be more happy. Um, that's a lie, okay? This is going to make you more happy. In fact, sometimes less is more. It's, it, it's, it's what God wants for me. And if God wants me to have less this year, that's going to be better for me than more. And some of the things that we want, here's the thing about our self, our flesh, it's insatiable. It's never satisfied. It always wants more for me. It's just always, if I get this much, I want a little bit more. And the Bible says, kill it. Just kill it. It's greed. It's, it's a form of idolatry. Because it isn't about us having more. It's about us giving our lives away so the Lord can fill us. Isn't the Lord smart when he said, if you want to save your life, you'll lose it. Anybody wants to keep their life, uh, uh, you try to save your life, you'll lose it. But if you give your life for my sake, you'll gain it. It's just the way God's designed it. Give it over to me and you'll have a better life than you ever uh, thought you could have. So you used to walk in those ways, anger, another thing, furious hatred. If that's rising up in you as a believer, that's the old guy. You're angry. You're so furious, overwhelming you. Why are you an angry person as a believer? We shouldn't be angry. The Lord's forgiven us of everything. We need to forgive others. Slander, that means, um, excuse me, rage is in there too, which is you're out of control. Malice, desires to harm others. You're actually thinking about ways to do somebody in. What in the world has happened? That's not you. That's the old you. It needs to die. It's not the new you. The Lord wants to make something different. Slander. If our words are cutting and attacking and we now don't have control of our mouths anymore, it goes on to say filthy language, remove it from your life. We live in a filthy world. People talk filthy. They talk crude. The Bible says don't let any corrupt communication come out of your mouth. We shouldn't speak like that. We don't need to talk like that. I heard a pastor speaking on the, uh, uh, the radio today and he's, you know, teaches the Bible, all of that, and he just... He was just talking along, just said, you know, <laughs> I'm not even going to repeat it, but it was just wrong. It just basically said, you know, like, go to hell. And it's like, what is he saying? What's he doing? Those kind of words shouldn't come out of our mouths. You're, you know better than that. That's not the way we should talk, but that's the old person that rises back up. So you've taken off your old self with his practices and you need to put on the new self which is being renewed. But here's the problem is we start to put on the old self and we put off the new one. And that puts us in a bad position, doesn't it? A horrible position. And God says, um, I don't ever want you to be there. Let me tell you a story. And um, true story. We, um, a friend of mine called me He's a, um, one of my best friends growing up, and this was years ago, and he was at rock bottom. Drugs and partying um, and really uh, just a selfish, self-consumed life had, had, had eaten him up. His first marriage had been destroyed already, and his uh, relationship with his only son was cut off. And now the second marriage was on the rocks and his family relations were completely severed and all of his friends were gone and he had lost his home and um, he had no money. But worst of all, he, he had gutted himself from the inside out under all of his, uh, again, evil and, and, and just pure selfishness. All of this had been done 
after being saved, after coming to Christ, he, he used to walk with the Lord. And all of this happened as he turned back away from the Lord. Maybe you know somebody like this. And uh, back to living for the pleasures of the world and Satan had got a hold of his life and it destroyed him, which he's really good at from the inside out. And he called me to tell me that, um, and just to let me know, he, he was going to take his life. And he wasn't looking for pity. He just really was going to say goodbye. And uh, wanted to let me know that it was over. Uh, he, he, his life was emptied out. He had destroyed everything. And to him, death, it seemed like relief at this point. And he had no emotion. It wasn't a plea for pity. It was just a matter of fact. And as I was listening to him, I believe that God gave me a word for him. And uh, so I just spoke it. And it went something like this. I said, I think you're right. You're making the right decision. You, you are definitely better off dead. And I said, I wouldn't, I wouldn't wait if I were you. I think you need to do it today. It's a great day for you to die. And then I paused. And then as I paused, the line went silent. And then I panicked. <laughs> but I just felt like I should hold and wait. And I could hear him thinking. And I, you know, as he was mumbling a little bit. And then finally he creaked out uh, this. He said, really? Really? And I said, yeah, my friend. I, I think the best thing that can happen to you at this point is that you bury yourself. You've been living a dead life for the past decade. A dead, empty life of self and sinful pleasure. You've allowed Satan to destroy you. 